hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the Batman Universe for this and many other great Batman podcasts. I'm Josh, and this week we're still on break, but break is almost over. The spring premiere is airing on March 1st, but this is another event coverage episode. On February 26th, Monday, I went over to New York City because over at Tumblr headquarters, there was a Gotham fan event that Fox and Tumblr were putting on. They screened the March 1st uh, spring premiere episode, and then they had Marina Baccarin, Ben McKenzie, Robin Lord Taylor, and Corey Michael Smith answer some questions from a small you know, group of audience members that were able to get in because it was first come, first serve. Even with the RSVPs, uh, they put on the website, RSVPs don't necessarily guarantee an entry, um, but they answered some audience questions. And then um, separately, they did Tumblr questions, which you could find on a Tumblr's uh, website. They had like a stream where, you know, the cast answered questions and it was stuff like if you could become any piece of cheese, what you, would you become? And, you know, uh, you know, uh, are you going to sing on the show? <laughs> But before they did the screening and the um, audience Q&A, before the event started, some members of the press, uh, the Batman universe, myself included, were able to meet with the cast uh, on some of the top floors of Tumblr's headquarters and uh, talk with them and do our own interviews, which we're going to be playing. Tumblr's HQ was everything that you would imagine it would be. A very new age workspace, lots of amenities. There was... Gotham cupcakes, which were these mini cupcakes that had like the Gotham logo on it, some snacks and drinks. Uh, and I only found out about this event a week before it happened, but I, and I was like, well, is it worth it to go? But it's always worth it to do these things. It's a fun experience. And I live over in Tampa, Florida, but it's always fun to go to New York City. I have family that lives near the area, and I love walking around the city, doing Central Park and stuff like that. I'm a big Beatles fan, so, you know, I always pay my respects at Strawberry Fields and go outside the Dakota, which was John Lennon's home, but we're here for Gotham, not the Beatles. So I went upstairs um, and did my interviews with each of the cast. Uh, the first person who I spoke with was Robin Lord Taylor, and uh, we were in this Tumblr con uh, conference room, and there was microphones, like, wired into the table, so we had to get those turned off before the interview started. And uh, Robin Lord Taylor and I talked about how I had just seen him the month before when um, our intern Ben cosplayed as Martine at the Black Lightning premiere party. And I told him about how that went crazy on Twitter and all the people who were like, Robin's so sweet, we don't deserve him. And he was flattered to hear that. And um, a friend of mine from the Twitterverse, Caitlin, uh, she wanted me to ask Robin about uh, Martine possibly returning. So that does come up in the interview. Afterwards, I spoke with Corey Michael Smith, and interestingly enough, um, you can kind of hear the moments in the um, interview audio-wise, but if you go to the Batman Universe's YouTube page and you see the interview, you can actually visually see that Marina Baccarin walks up to Corey Michael Smith in the middle of the interview, bends down, gives him a kiss, you know, as she's like walking away. A, a friendly kiss, you know. Ben McKenzie's not going to punch him in the face or anything, but... <laughs> That, that was a fun, you know, affectionate moment with them. And uh, and I spoke with Marina Baccarin after that. And then they led me into a separate room for some reason. They were kind of rotating where they were interviewing everyone. This was a smaller interview session than the ones that we usually do at the conventions or even the roundtables at DC and DC uh, last month. Uh, so I went to a conference room and I had a great interview with Ben McKenzie. We talked about when is Gordon going to go from captain to commissioner and I wish I hadn't turned the recorder off as they were leading me out of the room because as they were leading me out of the room and the interview was over, I casually mentioned to Ben, I was like, 
oh yeah, by the way, remember, you and I, uh, we talked about this a few years ago, but we were separately campaigning for Gordon to get an apartment. And he said, yeah, I know. And then they took it away from me. And I was like, wait, what? He said, yeah, they tore down the set for Gordon's apartment to build the Falcone townhouse. You know, like, I don't have a home anymore. And I was aghast and also amused. You better believe that I texted Donovan and Jan right away in big letters like, guys, Gordon is homeless again. Uh, so home, once a homeless cop, always a homeless cop. And uh, it is worth noting that Donovan and Jan and I, we did notice that we haven't seen Gordon's house at all this season. Well, now we know why, unfortunately. Uh, so after the one-on-one -on -one interviews, which, you know, you'll be hearing after this little introduction I do, uh, I went downstairs and I went, uh, you know, with the public people that they went in to this uh, little place in the lobby where they screened uh, the spring premiere episode, which... It was my second favorite episode of the season. I really liked it a lot. Donovan says, oh, you always said that when I called him. But this was good. Um, I was, I'll was i talk about it more when Donovan and Jan and I cover the episode. But I will say they did Ivy right. Um, I was not happy about Ivy being recast yet again. But they did her justice this time. And you know what? I guess third time is a charm. I, I was not prepared to like it, but I did. And the Sirens do this weird glam commercial for their club, which, like, you have to see the Believe. It's, it, it's amusing. Lots of great reunions in this episode, too, you know, between uh, exes, per se. Like, we get, you know, Lee and Gordon finally reunite this season. They haven't shared a scene except for a dream sequence so far in season four. Uh, Bruce and Selena see each other, and Selena sees bratty Bruce, and... <laughs> isn't uh, too amused by his behavior, and uh, and also a funny Jim and Barbara scene as well. Uh, lots, and, and a Bullock and Gordon scene, you know, uh, when we're talking about reunions between exes, ex-friends, I guess you can say. So, some great stuff in that episode, you know, and after that was uh, done, there was uh, the Q&A with the cast uh, from members of the audience and from uh, the moderator, which had some funny moments in there, too. We're going to be playing that audio as well, so... Check all that out. Don't forget to keep on tuning into the Gotham Chronicle because we're going to be covering the second half of season four and some special episodes. Uh, the 100th episode of the podcast is uh, coming up in the next few months, guys. So think about what you want us to do for that because we definitely have some ideas. Enjoy. So first question, this is from a um, friend of ours from Twitter. Her name's Caitlin, and um, we, yeah, we saw, she's going to love that, we saw a very different side of Oswald this season, you know, like the nurturing, you know, parental side, you know, how did you feel about that storyline? It felt really great. I mean, you know, it's a, just, you know, any, like, new avenue to explore with these characters is so exciting, and uh, yeah, there, there is a sympathetic guy in there, and also, in, in you know, and I, I, what I liked about it was that it was... It was almost like an apprentice, you know, he's like passing on his knowledge, like trying to like, you know, influence someone and also, you know, have a, you know, an ally, you know, someone that he can trust, you know, it's so hard for him to trust anyone, like after, you know, he's been stabbed in the back so many times, you know, you know, not without reason, but, you know, yeah, still. Oh, lots of betrayal, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. and that's why he even didn't trust the kids so much, you I know, know exactly. like put him in time out and exactly. everything. And, right. And now, 
you know, Oswald in jail for, like, the one crime that he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of ironic, you know, after everything he's done, it's the one where he didn't commit, with Martin being the key right. to Oswald's freedom. Is that storyline going to come back into play? Have we seen the last of him? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, I, we have not seen the last of Martin. I mean, you know, he's the proof. He's the, He is the living proof that, you know, Oswald is innocent. And, you know, now that Oswald finds himself in Arkham, it's just going to be all about getting out of Arkham. It's, you know, it's it's a place where, you know, Oswald needs to be in control and he has no control over it. And uh, as we saw uh, at the end of the pre right, the end of episode eleven, you know, there's someone else who's running Arkham who has a lot of influence there. And so, you know, it's gonna be just finding out a way to get out of there before he goes completely insane. Well, and there's been some teases online about how, you know, for the second half of season four, we're going to get a lot of these villains, you know, coming together. But Oswald, he's burned some bridges with them, so what's that going to be like for him? God, and everyone forgives. <laughs> you know, you know, oh, person, I cut off a few of your hands, you know, like, tried to kill. next day they're your best friend. It's just, you know, and Oswald's one of those people who, I think part of his brilliance is that he really knows how to navigate that. Like, he's, even though he is, you know, a selfish you know, the person who betrays people for his own gain, and you know, even though he is that person, at the same time, he knows how to negotiate. Like he knows how to, you know, appeal to people's common sense, and I, I think that's one of his biggest gifts. Mm-hmm. And how him and Jerome, you know, is is he seeing Jerome more as a friend, or is he more wary of him based on you know, I mean, Zaz just betrayed him, everything sure. like yeah, that. I, well, Oswald, yeah, again, he's wary of everyone. He, you know, it's, he doesn't trust anyone at this point. You know, understandably so. And so, of course, he, he's he's wary of Jerome. You know, it's it's uh, intimidating because again, like, you know, Oswald is uncomfortable. You know being at the whims of someone else. He's comfortable in control, and then when he walks into Arkham and sees that, you know, it's basically Jerome's playpen, you know, it, it, it's it's terrifying. It kind of reminds me of when Fish tried to take over that prison from the beginning of season one. Is that Robin's thing? He wants to rob Oswald. You guys go hand in hand, you know, like, right? Like, <laughs> No, I mean, you know, I, I don't think Oswald has any, he has no desire to control Arkham. He just wants to get out, whatever it takes, you know. Whoever he can convince to help him, you know, he will use that. You know, that's he, he will. He has to get out. You know, before, again, before he before he loses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, looking forward to the rest yeah. of season four and seeing yeah. what Oswald has up his sleeve. Yes. You know, yes, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> So we've had some teases that um, for the second half of season four that um, a lot of the villains are going to be coming together, teaming up. And um, I had a similar question for Robin, which is Ed has burned a lot of bridges with some of those people. So what's that going to be like for him, especially now that he's kind of walking the line between rehabilitation and the right. I mean. I don't know, did, did I burn the bridges, or did the bridges happen to <laughs> Chopped off a hand, yeah. or, you know, well, but... I mean, I thought it was appropriate at the time. Yeah, fair, fair application. As one often does when they chop off hands. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I saw some, some allies and friendships. There's always kind of a possibility that I could rely on Penguin again. You know, with a few extra rules. 
And, you know, you mentioned relying on Penguin again. There's, um... And that's um, one of the plot lines, you know, with the second half of the season. You know, you're um, you're kind of sweet on Lee. So, you know, what's the, where? What kind of road is that going to take, Ed? On especially, you know, with um, she might not be so sweet on him. Even worse for the people Ed's around. Well. Yeah, you know, two Chelsea specs, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, two Chelsea specs down <laughs> with, with a Lee on the way. You know, there's, she brings out a softness in him that, that Christian Green did. I think he gets addicted to that sort of, like, these senses. The, nur- the nurturing. It's like, you know, there was a part of him very early on where it made him feel human. It made him feel normal. It made him feel like a capable human that he was, like, having feelings uh, for someone and having romantic feelings. And so I think there's a sort of... It's warring factions. He, he enjoys feeling that way. Uh, but it brings about terrible things. So, you know, as we grow, as we learn... Perhaps there is a way to love someone and it doesn't have to uh, display, de- deflate his virility or uh, he doesn't have to sacrifice his sort of cunning uh, self just because of it. Perhaps. Oh, so, well, and love seems to be what drives, you know, at a lot because that's what initially put him down his back, you know, with the first, you know, the first Kringle and then with Isabelle, it's what, you know. Yes changed her whole course, you know, last season, you know, and now with, you know, Lee Tompkins, it's, um, you know, lots of love. And then the other major relationship is, um, have you heard the fandom term Nigmogopod? Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, yeah, I came up. Oh, that, that, that was you. Well, I hope... Well, that, that seed that you planted is spread like wildfire all over these social media... Yeah. Well, are you are you a fan of it then? I would assume. Well, of course, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I love working with Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we we do a little more on the end. Yeah, no, we've seen some of the pictures of you know you guys together. So people are excited about you know Penguin and Riddler coming together. And with Ed a little more isolated this season, you know, kind of over in the narrows. Are there any you know actors or characters that you'd like him to kind of, you know, do some scenes with again or interact with that he hasn't gotten a lot of screen time with? Yeah, uh, there's actually uh, there's a character that kind of like uh, runs a faction of the narrows that Lee and I work with. I just like the actor. I thought it was great. Uh, so... Uh, was it that guy who she poisoned? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, yes, there's some perfumes, really. Uh, I, there's more cool, um, friendly stuff. Yeah, too. 
Well, and now that he has his memory back, is Grundy still Ed Friend? Yeah. It's a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I, I'm really happy that I'm going to have Rob again. And then, uh, especially in 412, I have some fun stuff with Gordon that gets really heated at the end of season four. Oh, okay. Well, and this has also been an interesting year for you because you've gone in to do a few different, you know, kind of Eds, you know, like an Ed who's more unsure of himself, and then you going back to the whole, like, mirror, you know, arguing with yourself thing, like, what's what's that been like for you? I love it. I love that, uh, I love that there's a lot of, you know, he has, he has identity issues, um, and it's been a theme that we've played with for four years, so it's always kind of fun, you know, when he feels unsure of himself, he's like, oh, maybe I should change, or maybe... Maybe something's wrong with me. Oh wait, my old self. I was so this, you know, when I was that, and I, I like that. I just like that he's kind of unstable and unsure at all times of like who he is and what exactly is the best version of himself. That's sort of like because he's so confident in, in some areas and really, uh, you know, thinks he's the brightest person, but his his insecurities I find to be really fun because it allows me to uh, portray him different ways different times it's really interesting because we know you know his eventual fate of becoming the Riddler but then there's still that thing this season where it's like you know will love pull him back or will you right. know something so that's one of the things that makes it fun to watch yeah for the rest I mean the rest of season 4 the, you know the struggle of the main thing for me is Am I the Riddler? Can I be the Riddler again? And can the Riddler experience, like, feel love? <laughs> does someone like, does someone like Lee, who brings out softness in me, preclude me from being who I was? Or can those two things, like, live together? Because we haven't seen the Riddler be romantic. We've seen him be a little choky, but not romantic. But that wasn't the Riddler. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was Ed fighting right. the Riddler persona. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can the Riddler be romantic, and what does that look like? Well, we're looking forward to it seeing. It could be very sexy. Is the answer? Oh, okay, okay. Tell, tell, tell us more. Tell no, us. We don't know. We'll tell us see. more. We'll <laughs> it sounds like you got something up your sleeve there. Yeah, well, two steps. Yeah, imagine a date with someone who's always trying to like think three steps ahead and outsmart everyone. That's. That's that could be a sexy riddler. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what you're up to the rest of season four and crossing our fingers for a season five, you know. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, man. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so last year, Lee became a Falcone for about, you know, five minutes, you know, like, yeah, didn't even get to consummate that thing, you know, that darn uh, Gordon, and in the last episode before the break, you know, Carmine died, and, you know, Lee wasn't at the funeral, is she kind of disconnected from that, or staying away from it, or is she aware of what's kind of gone on with, you know, her Mario side of the family, since she's gone to the Narrows? I think she's now become aware of it through, you know, everything that went down with Sophia looking for her and all of that that went down um, but I don't I think she's just moved on and it's on to bigger things 
or, or what she feels are more important. To and we saw in the one of the promos for the rest of the season a scene with you know you and Crystal Rita, Sophia. So finally going to get to see your sister-in-law, and didn't look like that was going to be a happy family reunion. So you know, can you tell us a little more about their relationship? Uh, sure. Um, you know, I I think it's less about like the jealous ex-girlfriend thing and more about. Yeah, their buddy heads over territories and got them and all that stuff. And I think it's very interesting because it's multi-layered, but it is not. Let's just say it, they're not going to become besties. <laughs> and at, on the subject of that, we had a request from um, the Twitter handle was uh, Marina Baccarin uh, VR on Twitter. She wants some Lee to punch Sophia in the face. So uh, you got Barbara this season. So you know, let's let's see. <laughs> and I loved this season that we finally got, you know, Lee doing her clinic, you know, which is, you know, close to what she's doing in the comics, that, you know, more nurturing side of her, you know, helping the underprivileged and um, even the people who are morally ambiguous, you know, like she'll stitch anyone up. But, you know, we're going to see be seeing more of the clinic and everything this year. And where's that going to take her? Yeah, you'll see a bit of it. Um, it does get destroyed in one of the episodes because there's a thug in town. I don't know if that's aired yet. Samson... So. The guy, the guy that you poisoned, yeah, he yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. kind of like smashed it up. So he smashed it up. After that, we don't see too much of the clinic. Where she's still helping people, but she sort of starts leading the narrows, and it's become, becomes more about like literally practicing medicine and more about like how do we help this neighborhood and these people have access to some of the riches in Gotham. Mm-hmm. And Lee has another admirer, you know, second half of the season in Ed. Um, how does she take to that? You know, I think at first she's shocked by it, and she's, it's not, a, it wasn't at all on her mind. And then I think as it goes on, she realizes that she's got a great ally in him. And then I think he starts to get her and understand her in a way that nobody has since the virus. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there's there's something there something to explore there right well and in addition to dealing with that in the clinic you know we keep we're going back to you know the narrows and everything now that you're leader of the narrows and fighting over territory that's a very new direction for your character you know what kind of does that kind of give a struggle with Lee's moral compass you know because she did poison a guy I thought I argued with my friends I was like I think she was bluffing I think the guy was just coughing it was psychosomatic like no Lee gone and poisoned a guy like yeah, no, she's definitely changed she's blurring the lines between good and bad I don't think she's worried about um, right now as long as it's a Robin esque reason and that she's benefiting people who are who need help Mm-hmm. And um, throughout, you know, the first half of the season, except for a dream sequence, you know, you and your um, real-life husband and on-screen ex-fiancé haven't actually shared a scene except for that scarecrow thing. And I know in the second half of the season, you know, finally be kind of coming back together yet. Is there a healing or is still some resentment over the events of last year, you know, shooting, ruining a honeymoon, burying a guy alive, hard things to get past, but it's gone. Yeah, um... A lot of stuff has happened between these two, and they're, def- they're definitely at odds still. I think they love each other, there's love there, but I think that they might have hit a, just right now a point of no return. Their attitude is very different things. She's changed in such a way that I don't think he understands quite yet. 
Well, we're looking forward to seeing what Lee is up to in the Narrows, the second half of season four. Marina, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. All right, so when we left Gordon in the mid-season finale, he had what I felt was actually his biggest dilemma since the pilot because he can do the right thing, clear his conscience, and, you know, turn Sophia in, but then lose everything in the process, lose the GCBD, and then, you know, he's already lost Harvey, and that would have been for nothing, or just keep going and keep the city clean but live with knowing all that Professor Pig stuff is, you know, on his conscience, all his revenge for, you know, shooting up Mario on his honeymoon, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dish best served cold. I was a little impressed by that. But, <laughs> but so with that dilemma weighing on Gordon's mind, you know, what's what are things going to be like for him the second half of the season? Well, certainly it's, it's you know, it's gotten very complicated. Um, I think that because he did, you know, Maybe he's bad with Sophia, and that went the way that it went. He, um, you know, he'll feel the guilt, and um, um, he'll feel the guilt of, of what he was a part of, and, and that you know sort of translates throughout his relationships in Gotham. Um, it's a secret that he wants to keep a secret. Um, Harvey is privy to it. A few other people are privy to it, but he has to kind of. Um, Keep his head about him and, and trudge on. You know that's kind of what we're, the story we're telling over many many seasons is how the average everyday hero guy, Jim Gordon, who's responsible for so much in Gotham, gets beaten down and beaten down and beaten down to where ultimately you know the city needs somebody like a Batman to save it. And this season, you've been writing and directing. You know, as opposed to just being behind the camera. Or in front of the camera, rather right. behind, in yeah. front. You know, you're you're on all sides of the yeah. camera. How has that changed your perspective on you know the show and making the show and like seeing you know what some of the challenges are and finding the voice for the characters and yeah. like being like, man, you know, this actor who I've been friends with for years, they're kind of a dick to work to direct or something. You know, you don't have to name names, you know, but like we know who it is. Yeah, I mean, everybody. Um, it certainly gives you a sense of. Um, you know the the massive undertaking it is to make a show like this, which creates a whole world and a period world, but a specific you know alternate reality period world, and and and, and reimagines these iconic characters in a new place in their lives that we haven't seen before on camera. So really, it's a lot of work by a lot of people. I think you really that's the first thing you understand. The other thing is, um, yeah, I think it makes you a little less precious as an actor because you're able to understand that you know. At the end of the day, so many different pieces have to move in order to accomplish something that you, it's a way it's freeing as a, as a performer because you're able to kind of go, well, you know, as long as I understand why I'm making any choice that I'm making in a scene, I can just go for it completely. I'm protected on either side mm-hmm. with, you know, great writing and directing and, and you know, uh, uh, production design and everything to the post-production really. It all culminates in like a really you know, sort of dynamic show. And now that Gordon is captain and is in more of a leadership role, you know, right now, you know, Alvarez and friends, they're all kind of, you know, in Harper, they're all kind of on his side, but right. will things. So you're going to find that being the guy in charge is not as easy as it looked when Barnes and, yeah. well, 
and uh, Essen did it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I think he the there's a double-edged sword with the with the leadership role, which is that he finally gets you know troops, you know, men and women to 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 be the leader of. But at the same time, he realizes how ineffectual most of the Gotham leadership actually is, and, and what a mixed blessing it is to have that burden of responsibility if you can't actually affect change. You know, don't see you you're the guy I'm going to he's like being a, a, you know, the, the super in a building and the plumbing breaks mm-hmm. you didn't break the plumbing but you got to fix it we good? Or, okay alright um, and it's taken us four seasons to get from Detective Gordon to Captain Gordon right. you know I on the prize commissioner yeah. you know how, how are we doing on that you think we can get there four, gonna get yeah. a season yeah. five I don't know <laughs> yeah you know we can speed it up if we have to but it's probably going to be uh, a season or two if, if we're so lucky and if not we'll just very quickly become commissioner. Made for TV movie, exactly. you know, or something, you know, like, all right. Well, looking forward to seeing, you know, how Gordon deals with all of this stuff in the second half of season four and season five and beyond. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah.
that you had never seen the Titanic. Uh, seen Titanic. Correct. Miranda, have you corrected this? Why would I do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Yet, you said there, you were going to make a movie night and make sure you watched it. The phone sinks. We're a little busy. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. still sinks. <laughs> okay, so uh, speaking of being busy, you yeah. not only wrote an episode this season, yeah. which was in the first half, but you also directed an episode. Correct. Yes, yeah, so episode uh, that airs on March 29th. Yes. Um, and tell us about this episode. Uh, it's a really, uh, if I can be so humble, it's a, it's a very good script. And I didn't mess it up, I think. Uh, well, can I talk about what happens in the plot, Joanna? Yeah. yeah. Sure, what happened? <laughs> so, uh, Jerome, Scarecrow, and Emma had a break out of Arkham. That's where we start out. So that's a good start. And then, uh, and then it becomes a bit of uh, Jim and Harvey are trying to stop the Hatter who has a particular plan, but then you realize later there's a bigger plan afoot. Meanwhile, Jerome is on his own mission to, um, you know, has to do with his, his personal life and new characters we haven't seen yet. And, um, and Bruce is involved in that storyline. So. It's really, um, actually, it was an incredibly fun episode to direct. We had some iconic villains, not to mention, um, you know, core characters uh, already established, plus big fight sequence, sequences. I uh, had like a 200 foot crane with 200 background instead of Martin Massage. It was great. Okay, so for you guys who have been directed by Ben now twice, yes. uh, what is it like on this? What have they learned from yes. that? Yes. <laughs> what have you taught them? What have you yes, exactly. I have not been in either episode of Ben's. And neither have I. Well, no. actually, that's not true. I have one scene in the first one. Correct. But that's it. That's it. So, we have not in his, his episode this season. <laughs> 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 so, uh, maybe the next question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Corey. <laughs> yeah, but I have a lot of notes for them. Right, right. It's actually just, it's just a gym centric episode. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Can um, I just say really quick though? I want to answer it. No, because I wasn't. I had the first in the first episode of Ben directed, and it was amazing because. He has such a shorthand with all of us, and he, we, he knows the cast, we're, we're all, he knows each other, uh, all of us so well, that to get us to any point we need to be in the scene, it couldn't have been easier. I mean, it's just, he, he, was, he, he just look at me, and I would know exactly what he wants, you know, it's really great, and he's constantly yeah. passionate. So. And how is it writing an episode and then watching it go through the TV making process of, <laughs> oh, that's not from <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah. With, with sausage making? That's yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, and so you, you come up with this with a story idea, or we came up with it in the room, then I go off and I write an episode, or the, the, the rough draft, um, after an outline. Every, at every step of the way, you're expected to put the studio on the network, and then you have to be written, and it goes to the studio network again. And as often with network TV, it's very much like make it clear, make it clear, make it clear, you know, whatever's happening. Um, so, you know, but once you fit those parameters, actually, the was very, you know, very cool. Um, the tone of the show is what it is. I mean, it's a dark show with some really sick humor, so <laughs> lean into that. Right. Uh, I mean, I had a character who was a dog who was running around like in some oh, yeah. sad, masochistic gear. Like, <laughs> I saw him coming over here, actually. Yeah, he's trying to the bar. Yeah, right on the street. Of course he was and you know, and then at the end, of, at the end of the episode, I think um, I think that thirteen-year-old voice part was cut. Yeah, just like he just died. He's dead. Um, so, you did. Okay. Uh, so you know, we're not afraid to go there. Um, and I never got the middle. Could you do it well without the kid dying? It was like, no, mm, that's showing. So I thought it really interesting. It was great to watch the process all the way through. Like 
to come up with, uh, to, to write it down with the help of everyone else, to scout it with the director, Kim Fink, who did a great job, and to be with him on set, both while I was filming as an actor, but also as a writer most of the time. And then, um, and get these guys' notes and get their feedback, and like, that was very helpful, you know, because what's great is that there's no, I hope there's no fear on either side, like if they had something that wasn't working for them, they would tell me, and vice versa, and so it was very sort of, it was easy. Um, Corey and Miranda, this season we've seen these two come together. I never thought these two characters would ever intersect. And they've become quite the um, Boris and Natasha. Uh, but Corey, this, is, this has been probably the broadest enigma we've seen. Like his crazy and his eccentricity. Yeah, his eccentricity. It was always like it was always reserved like him in his head or alone or like with one other person. And now he's like on a grand scale presenting himself. Yeah, I even got to choreograph and perform a little Commedia dell'arte uh, mockery of, of Penguin. That was pretty. Yeah, how how has that been? How has that been taking Edward, you know, large scale now? Uh, it was fun. I felt like a sort of allowance, you know, because he became a little stupefied uh, because of the defrosting. Uh, and I kind of just, like, had a lot of fun with it. And the riddle thing was fun. You guys are good to crush that. Yeah, it, just, I just, I, it, it was just kind of fun. They were writing stuff that was a bit more physical. And so I just leaned into it. And then once you paired, like, Ed with Grundy, it was just like this big, giant piece of meat that could hurt people, like, you know, with like a little backhand and their head comes off. So it, it was written in such a way it kind of felt like, uh, you know, Little Abbott and Costello. It was like this little duo comedy routine. And there was a scene in this episode, in the alleyway, as a toy maker, where yeah. Jim runs in and says, you know, something about, I can't believe you, you tried to take him on yourself or do this alone. Which said to me that Jim actually still sees this guy as the good guy he knew from the police station. It seems right. like Jim still cares about this guy. I think he does care about him on some level. I, yeah, I think, I think he sees or wants to see in him enough to believe that that mm -hmm. could be possible. But. And it's probably not, because he is the Riddler. <laughs> and now we know that Split Nigma is back. Um, so, what can you tell, without spoiling too much, what is his agenda? Uh, well, it's just, it's just his constant, you know, his repeated theme, it's his, his issue of uh, identity, you know, which he's facing again. He always kind of seems to be uncomfortable uh, when he's experiencing emotions or feeling soft, uh, which, you know, Lee is kind of bringing that out in him. Um, and so there's a part of him that feels like he, you know, he needs to be big, be cunning, you know, don't, don't trust people, you know, uh, stand up for yourself, stick up for yourself. So I, I think he's, he's struggling with this idea of like, he had this moment where he was the Riddler and he felt really powerful and he felt like he had reached this like zenith of, of who he really was and that was kind of stolen from him. Uh, but he does truly, genuinely care about Lee and... Uh, he's currently in a place where does he have to choose? If he does, what does that mean? Which one does he value more? Uh, can the Riddler also live with like, you know, caring about another woman or even having a friend that you that you value? Uh, 
uh, as much when he commits to as equal. So that's kind of like what he's dealing with right now. And how do you think he would deal with any possible reconciliation between me and Jim? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we look for those moments and those scenes where it's like, well, you know. Well, how would Lee feel about a, a reconciliation? I don't know. I think this is a new league. I think she's very, very different from where she's Okay, been. so that's, that was, I mean, we at, at New York Comic Con, we still hadn't seen this character come back. And all we were told was she comes back in a very different space. This is an incredibly different thing. Like, this is full, you know, 180. She was mild-mannered, she wore, like, lab coats, she was the voice of reason. Now she's the spokesperson you know, for Matt Smith. Right, exactly. And now she's, like, kind of like in a Pat Bennett Shark Hopper band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. Um, what did you think when you saw on paper, like, oh, this is what Lee is now? It was a tough transition, honestly. It was, like, suddenly, and the way the introduction was, it was hard. It was like she was already there. So I didn't have, I couldn't rev up into it. Um, but it, it's been fun. And I think that there are just a lot of different faces of who that new Lee is. You know, because at first it was like, I don't want to know anybody. I don't want to, I want to be alone. I want to do this clinic. And I want to help people. And that was it. And then he came along, Enigma and Rondi, and, you know, and it's been evolving. And suddenly she finds herself leading, you know, the underground because she didn't want some other jerk to have a job, basically. So now she's finding the power within her to be that, who that is. But it seems like her motivation is still altruistic. Like, she cares about the people in the Narrows and taking yes. care of them. I just think she's bending the rules a lot more than she used to. Which has got to be more fun. A lot more fun. Yeah. Um, and now, Robin, you, uh, you, we don't see you until maybe next week. Right. Definitely next week. The scenes in Arkham, especially the group scenes, like the crowd scenes, they feel probably the most theatrical. They almost feel like at some point everyone could burst into song. <laughs> so they're all wearing like uniforms, like the stripe, the white and black stripes. Um, what is the vibe like on this set with those? Like, this is, you know, there's a different energy when everyone is channeling or trying to play an Arkham resident. Well, yeah, and I also I think like in this particular instance, now that Jerome is there and you have Cameron embodying this incredible character. And they're following him. They all kind of get, they sort of follow his lead. I mean, they're all like in the moment, feeling crazy, and you know, and it's great because again, it like informs you know like how I feel when I'm there and in front of all of them. What is Oswald's take on this whole like this cult of drone? Absolute hell! Fuck this shit! <laughs> he um, he sorry. Uh, it's like it's the antithesis. It's just the opposite of anything that he understands or wants, or you know, it's you know, it, it's chaos. And there's there's no like Oswald is about organization and control, and you know, things happen at a certain time. If they don't, it's the end of the world. You know, it's like, that's how he operates. And then to find himself there, and then again, being there because he was betrayed yet again is just you know all the more horrifying. He is the, he went from king of Gotham to like the king of one step forward, two steps back. Yes. I cannot imagine him though putting up with being bested by Jerome for long. Oh no. I mean, well, no. He, you know, he, he's also and then I, I, you know, I say this a lot, but like the penguin's at his best when he's like, you know, climbing his way out of the ditch. I mean, that's when he is when he, you know, and, and I think a lot of it too is that like when he's at the top of everything, it's the classic story of Hubert. Like he. He makes like he starts to make little mistakes and he starts to like get bigger than 
he is and like, you know, and make, yeah, making wrong alliances, trusting people who shouldn't, and then it all falls apart. And like, you know, but when he's like down and gritty, that's when he's the most cunning and he's the most ruthless, and that's why I think. Do you think that he will eventually figure out that the like, two people that he really needs as allies are Jim and Ed? I figure out how to make those work? You know, I will say, I will say yes, absolutely. Because again, and I will say that actually about, you know, everybody on this panel, all the characters on this panel, and multiple characters in the thing, that the great thing about our show is that the alliances are constantly flipping and changing, and you know, one day one person's your enemy, but the next day they may be your best friend, just because they have that one thing that you need to stay alive. You know, it's desperate in Gotham, and they, yeah, that's why these characters keep coming down. Um, I have some questions. We're going to go to audience questions as well. Um, but I have some that we pulled from Twitter. Um, <clears throat> this first one, Drew Powell, at Drew Powell, wants to know what makes Drew Powell so lovable? <laughs> Only Drew Powell knows that. Mm, okay. Um, okay, uh, Marina Backer in VR says, this season has had many changes of alliances in the show, and some people had the opportunity to work together for a longer time. How, is, how has this changed for you guys, getting to play opposite actors that you maybe didn't spend a lot of time with last seasons? It's nice. I, I always miss uh, working with Robin, because we have a great time. But Marina and I have been together for like this whole season, almost. Basically, yeah. And it's been awesome. Yeah. It's been really fun. She has like a... I'd say sort of, she has like a, an intensity that's, that's just kind of effortless, which is... Intense. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a really nice, it's been a really nice pairing. When I'm not boring you with pictures of my kids. <laughs> yeah, but that's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's really easy to work with, and I think we've, we've had a good time. And there's been a lot, there's been a, a lot of laughs for our characters mm -hmm. in this season, which has been good. Um, what is, Kyrie uh, Dunphy wants to know, to everyone, what helps you get into your character? I, it helps me when I put on, when I'm a suit. I put, sure. put on a, you know, the the, the original show is fantastic. Custom designed by John Glazer is fantastic. So that helps me. I mean, I don't necessarily work out in, but it helps to be in the clothes. But we're often on these beautiful sets or uh, in incredible locations, and, and really, you know, didn't throw another hundred people in his background. But it's like you really, you're like, oh, I should probably focus on my job here, and like. Because we're definitely on a big stage. The ones? Yeah, definitely. Costume, hair, and makeup. Like all of those, the external pieces coming together, that's that I like right there. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's the glasses. I put the glasses on once I'm like down around the set. But it's, 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 it's actually kind of, uh, quite helpful. You're limited to like where your head can be because there's a camera and it has to see your eyes and not be blocked by stuff. So there's sort of like, when I have them on, there's a limitation of head movement, which is actually it's been something that just physically helps me get in character. And also the leather gloves. It's kind of nice. <laughs> when you have the leather gloves on, they feel so like, you feel really powerful in leather. And leather gloves that are like fitted perfectly to your hand. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with these guys. Um, for me, most of those are my shoes. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, the boots I'm wearing this season are ridiculous. They're about... I'm not exaggerating this. Hi. Oh, she's not going to wear that. That's great, right. 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 yeah. 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 And she can't wear it. Corey, um, <laughs> who does Ed's eyewear? Is there a uh, designer? Uh, I mean, this is not, this is not uh, a paid partnership. <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> 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 what if people want to 
Big Batman fan, and um, I would like to ask if you guys took any inspiration, like um, Ben McKenzie's character Jim Gordon from uh, Batman Year One. Yes. Since you did um, also did the voice work for Batman. Yeah. Did you take um, a lot of influence from there? Yeah, I did. Uh, if you look at the question, did I take um, uh, any inspiration from Batman Year One and the characters? In there? Yeah, I did. I, mean, I did the voice of uh, Bruce and Batman, and that one, that uh, series obviously takes place much later in the, the, the history of the. Mythology, but the, the the beaten down um, everyman detective um, in a Detective uh, uh, Gordon, or I guess at that point, yeah, I guess it was Detective. That point. Um, that's definitely like where we went ahead eventually, and so we're trying to imagine what that must have been like before. And this season, particularly, we're just putting as many obstacles in his path as possible and giving him no good choices, so that when he makes the only choice that he can make, which is the morally correct one, but the only one that he has to make, like going to Sophia Falcone. He pays the price for it, which only increases his guilt, the pressure he feels. We want this man to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders and for it to only get worse for him to the point where the city falls apart and he can be Batman. So it's a great, you know, kind of conceit and uh, definitely it's a more experience. Uh, right here. Hi. Um, first, thank you for the pitch. Um, um, what's it like for you guys, because you're married and everything, like working together? Do you guys have any problems working together? The mic threw me off completely. Like, taking home? We don't have any problems ever. I mean, that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I love being married. We met working on the show, so it's... To have that happen. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I did, and I don't regret it. <laughs> you guys only have one kid or two kids? You just have kids. We have two. Two? Okay. And right yeah, the second one. Yeah. Hi, I wanted to know um, what will Oswald and Ed's dynamic be like this season, and will Ed and Earl share scenes together? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't understand. Um, what will Oswald and Ed's dynamic look like this season, and will Ed and Earl have a scene together? Uh, it'll be different, it, you know, like the thing about our show is that, you know, the characters are changing as their lives change, as the things happen to them. You know, we carry, like the great thing about our show is that it carries from year to year, like all these characters are remember and they evolve and they change. And so, you know, and it's inevitable that we're all going to come back into each other's lives, you know, the characters will. And so when Ed and Oswald come back together, it's going to be different. It's changed. I mean, so much has happened. So much is on, you know, it, they're, they're different people in so many ways. So, you know, it obviously will be different, and it will be, uh, I think, unexpected for everybody. Yeah. Even for the characters. <laughs> yeah, and then the second question. Uh, we haven't quite finished filming uh, the season, so I don't know, actually, <laughs> to answer that. Um, so I've got to wrap it. So sorry, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, the uh, I know there's going to be a group photo, but I just want to remind you that Gotham is back on Fox this Thursday night, um, March 29th. It is the second. Uh, so, and I want to thank you guys for having me on Gotham, and thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Thank you.